Welcome everybody to this new episode of the Women in Technology Spotlight. Today with me, I have Paula Erhardt. She is a software engineer at KST in Germany. She also was the co-founder and CEO of Taxel. Welcome, Paula. Welcome, and thank you for having me. Thank you for taking the time to speak to me, Paula. My first question to all my interviewers is usually, tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure, so I'm just turned 30 years old. I'm, uh, I studied electrical engineering and I formerly worked for a couple of years at Bosch. I'm a mother of two kids and they are now four and one years old. And I'm quite a nerd sometimes. So I enjoy, <laughs> uh, if I have time, I enjoy reading good books and also a bit of gaming. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's about me. <laughs> okay. So with 30 years, you're already married, you have two kids, you work as a software engineer, which means you have completed a study. So you're quite industrious and you founded a company. Um, can you tell me a little bit about when you started being interested in technology? Was this something you wanted to do when you were already a kid or is this something that developed later? I think it's both. So I was always interested in technology and yet I never had a role model or anybody in my family who could provide me with this is the direction to go. So I started gaming really early in my life. I think I was four years old when we had an old Windows 95 and I was sitting there playing Tetris. Um, later on, I followed up as a Game Boy and I was always interested in computers and technology. But my family is from East Germany and they were all more in the caretaking industry and they they were never into computers or anything so they couldn't really provide me with anything at home we never had internet or we didn't have uh, wireless internet mm -hmm. so they only got those when i already moved out with 19 because they were always afraid of some hackers hacking into this internet <laughs> into the small town with a freestanding house mm -hmm. and so yeah that was kind of hard because i never had anybody to turn to who would provide me with a bit of like hey, here's a computer, let's try this out. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was always interested in technology. And then I decided that I wanted to do dual studies. Um, that is like working and studying at the same time, because I also knew that I would get a bit of money when I did this and that I didn't have to look for companies to do internships. Mm -hmm. And I did this at Bosch and I studied project engineering. Um, that is kind of like business engineering. So I was doing like a bit of business, a bit of mechanical engineering, a bit of electrical engineering, a tiny bit of programming. And I choose this because I thought, oh, sounds like something I can do. And I think I didn't quite think I could do programming or informatics or electrical engineering because I didn't have a role model. Nobody in my family was studying engineering or anything. I didn't know anything about it. But when I started my studies, I immediately started to make friends with the electrical engineers because they were just my kind of people. They were interested in the same books and the same games. They were interested into the technical stuff. And so that's what's really cool. Mm -hmm. And I completed my studies because I knew I started it. So I will complete it now. And it was still very interesting. And I think it's also good for technical people to know a bit about the business side. And when I finished, I started working at Bosch for two years. 
and I was in a department where everybody else was an electrical engineer as well. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I continually, gradually moved towards more technical stuff. And when I worked there at Bosch, I was also like taking care of a software tool. And when like my programmer that I had on hands wasn't fast enough, then I would start to do little changes myself mm -hmm. because I was always very interested in that. And afterwards I was like, okay, I want to do my master's degree now. So I did my bachelor's beforehand. And I turned to the different universities and applied and they were all kind of, oh, you have a dual studies. You didn't study at the university. Mm -hmm. Kind of like you need to repeat everything again. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no. <laughs> but the Technical University of Braunschweig, they had a really nice professor there. And he took an entire day to show me the entire university. I think it was also because he used to work for Bosch as well. So he was like, hey. <laughs> and he told me, look, you can do those seven courses from the bachelor and then you will admit it, be admitted to electrical engineering. Mm -hmm. And so I said, awesome. So that is where I kind of got the turn to go more into the technical side, mm -hmm. but it needed somebody with a professional experience to kind of tell me, go along this way. So it was like the first where I had kind of a mentor or something who would mm -hmm. really help me go in the direction that I really wanted to. And yeah, then I started um, studying electrical engineering there and during the time, I also like deviated more and more towards robotics and programming. Mm -hmm. So in one institute, I would program a little software tool in C Sharp and I would do my master's thesis at the Robotics Institute, mm -hmm. which belongs to the informatics side. And the professor there, he really supported me. And I did my master's thesis in C++ and Python there. So I started uh, build a huge software architecture at C++ and trained a neural network to then integrate it in the software architecture. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. And yeah, I think Professor Steyer, he was a mentor, the professor of this institute. He was also really keen to help women mm -hmm. to succeed. We didn't have a lot of women because it's hard like to find them. <laughs> I was maybe five like i was a five percent in my studies usually it were like 30 men and two women um in one course but he really tried to to help us uh, to make us succeed so that was really nice yeah. and he was also the person that we then started our startup with so he asked me directly <laughs> to do the startup uh, he already picked me out before i started the master thesis because he knew he couldn't take like a person who was a complete nerd who was just into programming he couldn't take somebody like this and get him to start a company so he said okay look you're really cool you have like a very broad background you have the business side you have the technical side let's do the startup together and i started to build the team and then we set up officially the company in february well and then two or three weeks later the <laughs> lockdown hit us Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's kind of like our company was named Taxel and we did uh, like we had a sensor developed that could recognize gestures. So it was a really cool sensor. You could bend it and you could put it on different surfaces, for example, a sofa armchair or in a car in the, in the like where you can touch stuff in the console and you can bend it and then you could draw on it like a circle or something. Mm -hmm. And then it would detect 
what kind of gestures you drew on it. And then you could like make different stuff happen afterwards, turn on and off the light, turn on and on off the music, move stuff. So that was kind of the idea. And we already had the first working prototype and it was really cool, but it was very hard with Corona. We tried to make it <laughs> and uh, we tried like different, we were part of different startup programs. And uh, yeah, we, we talked to a lot of interested people, but knew, nobody knew what was Corona, how long was it going? And so the investors were careful, our potential customers were careful. We tried to do it, but then in the beginning of December, we decided that our runtime wasn't enough for closing a financing round. So we didn't go out of business, but we knew like with three months time, there's no way that we get a financing round done. And so we decided, okay, now leave it, give the investors the last money back that we had and um, mm -hmm. apply for a new job. So I see <laughs> you touched on so many interesting topics. Um, I mean, there's so, so many things that you overcame by now. So the first thing is you didn't have any role models. I think that is a big thing that is always a problem for women, especially that they lack female role models. But in your uh, family, I understand it was already that there were no technology role models at all, at, at all. Even if you had been a boy, it would have been the same, I guess. So this was the first thing you overcame, you know, going with your interest, um, even though there was no one to, to actually show you the way. And then you studied project engineering, which is also interesting that you said um, that you thought that um, engineering would have been too difficult for you. That is something I have heard before from other women, you know, that we believe that this uh, technology stuff is too difficult for us. And obviously that's not true in your case, because from what, <laughs> from what happened afterwards, it's very clear that um, it's not too difficult for you. And then the other thing that I heard was a very typical Austrian German story that um, our education system is very rigid. So when you try to to enter it from uh, not the, the predefined path, they will try to block you without thinking whether you could contribute something useful or if there's a way that you can acquire skills and and without that mentor that you found, which uh, seems to be a really great person, that professor, you would have no chance to get into this very rigid education system that we have built here. And I think that is a problem. And I think especially with the new technologies and the digital transformation, this is something which will cause us issues in the future. The fact that we cannot see that we need to open up our education system to people like you or other people who come from different um, Path because technology nowadays, I feel, is not only about tech, it's also about what you also mentioned, the fact that you have to understand different things, business, and um, maybe, um, I don't know, bring in other skills to build new technology, which you then did with your company. So there's all these interesting things that you mentioned. And I feel that um, this is a very Austrian-German story, but also a very female story. So there's so many things here that are very specific to, to what we experience in, in our path when we tried to go into technology as women. And I'm really glad it worked out for you, even though they did everything to make it as difficult as possible. <laughs> so now you are working at KST as a software engineer. Um, 
and maybe you could tell us a little bit about your daily life, what you do as a software engineer, what kind of projects you work on. It's called KST Innovation. So what do you do there? Um, well, most of this is probably under disclosure. <laughs> oh, uh, OK, I understand, of course. <laughs> no, so I can try to tell a bit. Mm -hmm. So uh, the things we work for big uh, companies and especially big car making companies mm -hmm. and so a lot of what I do in a daily business is obviously um, programming and stuff and also communicating with uh, like the customers and everything mm -hmm. but I can't particularly talk about the projects themselves because they're under disclosure I'm at the moment I'm mostly working also on internal stuff so I'm doing both one side is programming but um, on the other side like my employer is really cool. We are a small software company. We're like 20 people now. And um, one more person is coming. We're actually hiring our second woman. So we are uh, 20 guys. Well, one is a secretary. She's also female. But then we're hiring a second software engineer. Um, and she's coming from Tunis. And we are flying her in. And I'm really looking forward to meet her. She will be also our first software engineer who is only English speaking. and. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great experience for us as a company to try to to integrate a person from another country. But this already tells us for a small software company in Germany, it's really hard to get good employees. So mm -hmm. if you are in this niche of programming, there are going to be a ton of job opportunities who pay good. Yeah. And you're never going to worry about a job unless KI is taking over in 50 years to do the programming automatically, which I don't think will happen. But um, we are a really cool software company. It's really nice to work there. I'm working mostly in, or completely in home office at the moment because Corona is going on. But um, I'm like sitting in Berlin and my employer is sitting in Braunschweig. Mm -hmm. So, but they really needed people. So they hired actually me and my husband together. So it's also a fun little story. My husband used to work for them. Then he helped me build up the startup, then the startup failed. And we didn't even look out for jobs yet. And the, his former two, <laughs> two bosses were like, hey, they're open firing. And within four weeks after we closed our company, we already signed the new contract because they were so eager to get people. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that's how I ended up there. I'm working in home office at the moment. I'm doing like programming, but also at the moment, a bit of internal stuff so it's a very very different fields that are touched at the moment and the nice thing about our company is because we work in projects so it's not like i'm responsible for this one doorknob on a car how to open it mm -hmm. for my for the rest of my life but yes. rather we work for different customers and so we get different software projects and if i'm fed up with one project, say I don't get along with the team or I've been working on this for two years now and I just want to do something differently, mm -hmm. then I can go to my boss and be like, hey, can you please relocate me? I think this project's really cool. And then he will switch me. Thank you for, for, for talking about all this. I wanted to get, have people to get an idea what your day looks like, what different tasks here, because we have this 
picture in our head that people who do programming, they sit in their cellar and they type into their computer lit by the light of the screen and, you know, eat pizza and never talk to anybody. But what you talked about is a really interesting and very diverse job. I mean, of course, it helps that you have this background with business engineering, which obviously helps you having a broader field. And uh, I guess that helps you with the different definition of the processes and all these things. But this is exactly what I wanted to know. Is your day something that, that's filled with different tasks or is it doing the same thing? Because I feel we need to um, explain to people that even if you're in technology, it's not a, a thing where you sit alone and, and just work with yourself. Of course, this is part of it, I guess. I mean, there will be times when you do programming, and, but then there's all these other stuff that you can do. And communication, I think, is a big part of, of being in tech, talking to customers, understanding what they need. I think this is our, our all skills that women especially are really good at. So it's nice to hear that you're hiring another woman, especially um, internationally. And it's very important to point out that there's a lot of opportunity in tech and it's well paid. I think this is something that a lot of women should hear to make them choose this path. Yeah. Um, just, just let me add a couple of points here. So I think the time for a lone programmer who is sitting in his office or in his cellar programming some stuff, the one genius, that is kind of over, at least when you work in companies. We are all working in teams, we are using Scrum, so we use Agile, working together, like there's a daily, like I can talk now for my husband, he's in one of those teams at the moment, they have a daily every day to talk about, he's like, they do pair programming, so usually he spends two to three hours in a video conference and then looking over the code with other people together, mm -hmm. because software, especially bigger software projects, just need communication, otherwise we always say you can have three hours of planning and reset. You can uh, like have less, three days less of programming. So <laughs> do three hours of planning <laughs> uh, and you save three days of programming. And yeah, so, so that is the thing, like you need to communicate now. So yeah, it's, it's not a lone job anymore. And then the second thing is for women, like my typical day is, make the kids ready. I have two of them. Then bring them to kindergarten. And then I'm um, working in home office, come home, do a bit of the like household stuff, start working. But in a tech job, first of all, I have a job. We have Corona. A lot of women lost their job. A lot of people, but especially a lot of women lost their job. And like if my company forever, it won't run out of business, but for every reason, run out of business. Mm -hmm. Two days later, I probably have five Letters in my inbox, hey, can you work for us? So mm -hmm. that's really nice. And the second thing is, I'm working 35 hours, my husband is as well, but if I was ever to say, hey, I want to work 40 hours now, or hey, um, I just want to do 30 hours now, my employer is really like flexible with it. He tries to keep his people because he knows there's a lot of competition. So they like the soft stuff of your job is also really nice. Mm -hmm. And like I'm flexible in my team. Yes, we should be working from 10 till 15 and then plus whatever hours we have. But if I, my kids are sick or anything, or I need to go to the doctor, then I can just make up the time later. Like mm -hmm. it, they don't care. My employer's like, 
they don't care whether I spend these exact 10 minutes on that. Mm -hmm. As long as the job is done, the job is done. And I, they don't care when I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. So that is also really nice. Or like when I want to take vacation or anything, unless the project is burning at the moment, mm -hmm. the, sure, go and take your vacation. So for women, there is a tendency to take on they already know beforehand that the job is not paying well and the conditions going to be also not good. Like, I mean, if you go to sell a supermarket, if you go do the hair for people, if you do the nails for people, if you are in the caretaking industry, that is jobs that have horrible working conditions. They are paid really low and it's hard to maintain a family in that. So take a job in tech. Take a job in tech. You will never need to worry about money again. You will never need to worry about losing your job again. And you're never worrying about how to manage family life with your job life. So even if it's not your complete passion, but whose passion is it truly to do this beep, beep, the entire day on supermarket? <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. I mean, the work-life balance in tech is amazing. I mean, most people don't understand that because the jobs we have are outcome-driven. Our employers, they worry about the outcome, not the amount of hours or when exactly we did this. So as you said, if your kids are ill, you can take care of them. Maybe you program a little bit more in, uh, at night then, or if they're, maybe now with Corona, I know a lot of people suffered because their kids were at home. But if you can actually decide when you take care of the kids and then when you want to work, it makes everything much more easier. If you have to go to Villa or whatever uh, supermarket you have, and you have to be there to sell stuff, that is not possible. You have no flexibility. And um, the other stuff with the money, with the fact that uh, these are positions that are sought after, that you will never have to worry about finding a job. If you, Yeah, passion is great. But I think even if you are now a programmer, it's not your complete passion or what you dreamt of as a child. I'm sure there's one or other the other project that will actually be interesting for you. I mean, it doesn't mean that none of nobody in this world has a job where 100% of the things they do are amazing. You know, I don't think these jobs exist. There's always stuff that is more fun and that is less fun. But I mean, it can be fun, fun, and then also well paid, right? <laughs> I also read a very interesting book about it. It was from Kai Newport. It's so good, so I can't ignore you. Mm -hmm. And in this book, he put forward the thesis that as long as it's not contradicting like your morals, like say you're working for um, a weapon industry or something, but as long as it's something that can align with your morals, it doesn't matter what your job is, passion comes with skill. Mm -hmm. So if you start working on something, you become really good passion will follow yeah that is also very true that um when you look at something from the outside it might not even look as interesting as it actually is when you start um diving into it learning more about it and then becoming proficient at it because as you say skill is also something that makes stuff more interesting because there might be aspects that you can't actually see when you're just looking at it from the outside so yeah first you have to actually try it then you have to learn how to do it and then passion might follow that's very true i think there's an overemphasis on passion nowadays when you talk to people follow your passion follow your passion most people have no idea what their passion is so they they just make bad decisions <laughs> so yeah 
Um, yeah, thank you for that. That's a very important aspect. I think that women have a very good work-life balance when they work in tech, even though most uh, people don't know about this. So um, you've already said a lot about uh, why you think women should go into tech. Um, maybe to wrap it up, you could talk a little bit about um, what you, recommendations you would have for a young woman who is in a situation where she's unsure what path to take, how to, to get into tech, what would you suggest? Sure. Um, so first of all, in general, like tech is also very open for people who decide later on to join. Mm -hmm. So maybe bigger companies have a bit of problem with that. So like say Bosch, Siemens, uh, Volkswagen, they are a bit more still on the like, did you study? Okay, you're gonna get this pay. Did you study a master's degree? You got this pay if you have a PhD. But small companies, they're happy to have, if as long as you're programming, fine, or skilled in the technology. For example, we have a couple of people who did something completely different. I'm not sure how the English term is, mm -hmm. but in, in German, it's Tischler. Mm -hmm. A carpenter. We have a carpenter. He used to be a carpenter in East Germany, and then over a couple of turns, he started programming. Now he works for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that he, he makes his living now. And so for women, if you're interested in tech, I think just, just started. I mean, there are a lot of different ways to get into there. For example, in Germany, we have this Ausbildung called Fachinformatiker or Fachinformatikerin. So if you are not sure if you want to study and still want to go into the technology side, side then there are also good Ausbildung in that direction. Mm -hmm. And they also have like nice pay or something. I mean, they also, if you're not completely looking into the programming side, but more like technology in general, there are also stuff like Ausbildung Elektriker or Mechatronica. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I used at Bosch, so we had a couple of like Zerspannungsmechaniker. <laughs> I'm not sure what that is in English. <laughs> um, it's more like standing on a machine doing stuff, but sometimes you need to do a bit of CNC programming on those machines as well. Mm -hmm. um, so if you are in school, I mean, obviously you can just try to get an internship at a company who does this and mm -hmm. have a look at there. And then if you decided to go for studies, then you can do it. Like programming is kind of like language and solving puzzles. And they always say women are really good at languages and we like to puzzle. So it's logic. Mm -hmm. Even if you're not perfect in mathematics, which women are just as good in mathematics as men. And mm -hmm. for some reason in the studies of mathematics, I think it's probably nearly equal, but like these were the studies where I found the most women and the less they were in electrical engineering and in physics. But women are good in mathematics too. But if you're not, still you can be a good programmer. Like even if you can't do one plus one, hey, the computer can do it for you if you really don't. I think it would as be to be a programmer then. <laughs> you can still, like as long as you can do logic, you can do programming. And even if you don't know anything about programming, you can still like go ahead and try to study something like this. Mm -hmm. I think if you never touched really tech and you directly go for an informatics studies, this can be kind of hard because usually you have a lot of the hardcore nerds in there already mm -hmm. and it can be hard to get there into, which is sad 
say, but they, they don't really pick you up there. But for example, I did this dual studies mm -hmm. so where I worked and studied at the same time. And I found that they really took us there from the basics and showed mm -hmm. us everything. So they didn't really like already said, okay, you need to know about computers and only then you can succeed. Mm -hmm. So this is also, I think a really nice way to start into technology also because you directly yeah you get paid which is nice so you don't need your parents and i think i got about 1300 or something already which is nice to have directly <laughs> starting out that's nice really it is yeah. and so this is nice for studying and also you don't need to worry about internships and as i said you you get everything Mm -hmm. It sometimes for me, that's why I also wanted to do my master's degree. On the other hand, a bit, you miss out the study life. Mm -hmm. It's like a bit slacking around doing parties because, well, dual studies are very hard also and they're very straightforward. So you kind of miss about a bit. But for mm -hmm. a start, I think it's really good to get into there. Mm -hmm. And yeah, but in general, just try it out, just do it. Yeah, And even if it's informatics, try out informatics, do electrical engineering, do every other technical study, because in the end, it's going to definitely pay out. It's going to be so much better to work in tech than to work. I know, I know it's unfair because I know those jobs are very important. Tech caretaking, the people who sell us stuff in supermarkets, they are important. And I hate that I have to like say don't work there, but my full family works in caretaking. I've seen my dad looks now 15 years older than he is because he worked 15 years in caretaking. Mm -hmm. He did night shifts. He had four kids. He had to, we always had to worry about money. Nice. So, and now like me and my husband both working in tech, we don't need to worry about money. Mm -hmm. If my kids want a new bicycle, sure, you get a new bicycle for your birthday. Mm -hmm. That's really nice to be able to do that. <laughs> Yes, it is. And, and I, I agree with you. I also feel that there are a lot of jobs in care, all these, like even teachers, every, they are all not paid enough money. So, and the problem is that in these jobs, you find a lot of women. Yeah. So, and for that reason, you have a lot of women who are constantly at the verge of bankruptcy, even especially if they're single mothers with kids and all that. And then there's this whole world, which is actually growing because we are going through a digital transformation. We need more and more and more people. And yeah, of course, it is better to recommend that women take that path. And it's good what you said to understand that there are different steps you can take, that you can take an intermediate step. You don't have to go straight into an informatics study. You can do something like you did and, and do a dual study or just take a course on a Volkshochschule and try it out if you enjoy it, you know. There's so many steps you can take. You don't have to go full-blown techie in, in, in a month, but still the outcome is totally worth it. And um, maybe if more women are in tech and, and we change the way the world looks, we can maybe change it also for the people who are now working in tech and in the supermarkets and make their world more flexible with new technology. I don't know, but I think that is something that will only happen when we diversify uh, this whole digital world with more women, I think, because we think about these things more. Definitely. I also, I mean, I read this book, it calls Invisible Woman. And I mean, they say that less paid jobs follow women. Mm -hmm. So if this theory holds, as mm -hmm. soon as women move out of care, care, caretaking, for example, more men move in, 
this is going automatically going to be paid better. Yes. <laughs> and, and as unfair as that is, it's still a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I read Invisible Women. Good for, like, for women who move out of caretaking, they are getting more paid, plus they're doing something for the woman who's still there. <laughs> Yes, yes, it's true. I mean, it's interesting that there's a weird causality between these things and, and you don't actually wouldn't actually think that this happens, but it's true because it's always a, qu a question of um, how many resources are available. If there are no female resources available to do these jobs, you have to go to men and men ask for more money. And, you know, it's like it's just a good thing. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so. Definitely, we should tell women that they should choose jobs in text, that they should understand that their work-life balance would be better, that there are different roads they can take. And um, yeah, I think um, also something you, mentor, you mentioned was mentoring. I think you had a very good mentor. I guess that's something to look out for as well, someone to sponsor you or to mentor you inside the company or in at university to, to help you find people who support you. Um, did you meet your, your husband uh, at the university or did you, um, or, or at Bosch? I'm, I'm, I didn't ask. No, after school. Either. Sorry? After school, yeah. After school, okay. Yeah, 11 years now together, so. Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's also good to have a, a supportive relationship with someone who understands what you do. That is always helpful. Yeah. But yeah, so. Um, but, but looking at him, it's also, he studied physics. So oh. he also wasn't a software programmer, but he started learning about software programming in his studies. And then he kind of also took the swing like me. Um, we have also a friend who after like finishing his studies in physics, he's really good at it. He kind of went into a dip. Like he, he used looking for a PhD, but he couldn't find any. And mm -hmm. like, we just told him now, Hey, start programming. <laughs> you uh -huh. find a job afterwards. And I think there's now popping up this system. I think it's from France originally. It's called School 42. Mm -hmm. And it's like um, a school which teaches people programming, but it's open for everyone. And they okay. don't care whether you have like even a degree from school. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter whether you have a degree from school or whether you have a PhD. You go on there and you like do a little online test, whether you understand this logics of programming. They're not asking for a specific language, but just the logics. Mm -hmm. And I think you do like three weeks of like a first course there. And if they admit you, then you get the education from them. And they're rolling it out now in Germany slowly. I mean, it's a small thing, but in France, it's so successful that people who start this education there which is not like you don't need to get a degree you just do your education there mm -hmm. they're already getting hired away from the school because the people know the people who go through that school mm -hmm. they're really really good mm -hmm. and i think they also don't have teachers there but rather it's like tiny groups teaching themselves together okay. so it's like a lot that of sounds amazing do you have a link or something that i can post under your video so maybe you can send me some some information because that's an information we really have to get out there because this sounds amazing. The whole concept is great. I mean, the fact that they don't worry about what your previous education because it really doesn't matter. And the other thing is that um, the, the concept of small groups working together and, and supporting each other and, and learning together. That's also, in my opinion, much more effective than the whole frontal education thing that we are used to. 
Yeah, definitely. But the last point, even if you're a 40 year old woman and you just lost your job and maybe you even have kids, you can always start looking into programming. And it doesn't matter if you have a formal education or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are also great online tools out there. I mean, you need to have time. Mm -hmm. I also have two kids. I'm lucky that I'm in Brandenburg, so the kindergarten is open. Okay. Schools are closed, but the kindergarten is open. That's why I'm a lot more relaxed than probably 90% of the mothers in Germany. Mm -hmm. But even if you have little time, there are great courses on YouTube. There are courses on Udemy, which is like an online platform for learning. So you can take like slow steps and then maybe like do something like Python or something or Java. I, I'm mostly doing C++. This is more hardware, hardware related. You can pick any language, yeah. learn it. And afterwards you can find great jobs. Yeah, I totally agree. That's, um, that's actually an important point that it's never too late. It's not like, okay, I did this uh, when I was younger and now I am whatever X, Y, Z, I can't change. You can always change. We, not, we don't live in a world anymore where you have to do the same thing till the end of your days. So if there is an opportunity, if there, and if there's an interest, just go ahead and, and look for an opportunity to learn and, and move because this is a good place to be in tech. Thank you so much for this, Paula. I have so many more things I would love to talk about. I would love to talk about your company. Even if it failed, the technology sounds amazing. I would have um, so many questions, but maybe we can talk about that offline because we have to keep in mind that our viewers only have a limited time <laughs> to watch this video. So thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for talking to me and uh, goodbye. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Bye. <laughs>